With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, thanks for joining us again. Welcome back to the Bless Your Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Once again, I am your host, Brandon Day. So in part one of this long conversation about the Tigers farm system, Bless Your Boys prospect writer Jay Markle and I talked a lot about the pitching side of the equation, which is, of course, the better side of the equation. Um, we took a few swings at maybe some of the young hopefuls who will get on the radar next year in the Tigers farm system. Um, we looked at the big boys and looked forward to seeing the best of the Tigers farm system, guys like Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Tarek Skubel, Alex Fiedo and the rest, all uh, reaching the upper minors and making their final push toward the, the major leagues. But now it's time to talk about the position player side of things and how I want to approach this. You know, we could talk about Riley Green, um, we could talk about Isaac Paredes, but I think that the the interesting decisions that the Tigers are going to have to make um, first off next year is that Derek Hill and Jose Azokar both had pretty good seasons, I think. Um, you can weigh in on what you think about them, but we also, you know, we, we have kind of a host of guys who are stuck at Toledo, um, outfielders who don't really have a particularly good chance, like Robson, um, Danny Woodrow, you know, Dustin Peterson, I assume will be gone. Um, they, they picked up Troy Stokes on the waiver wire and I don't know what they're going to do with him. So they've got like this whole kind of clot of, of outfielders, um, coming up. How do you see that shaking out? And what did you think of Hill or Azokar? Do you think they'll both get protected? Do you like them? Do you think either one took enough of a step to still have hope for them? (sighs) That is (laughs) just a little question. A heck of a question, isn't it? Um, Hill this season looked a lot like Jacoby Jones did in his first season in the majors. Is that a fair comparison? Yeah, actually, I, I, I like don't that have comparison. comparisons, but that's an easy way to put it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they'll get protected, both of them, but that's more of a statement on the fact that the Tigers 40 man is just as full of ballast as real players. Yeah. Um, I don't especially like either one of them. The thing with Jose Azokar, I saw him a few times over the course of two seasons in West Michigan, and he's got tools. He just... They vanish. (laughs) For no apparent reason. And then come back later. And so consistency is the name of the game of the both of them. So if uh, Derek Hill can have his own kind of a Jacobasance, isn't that how you put it? Yep. Um, (laughs) And... and tap into that power more regularly and continue to be a defensive genius. Yeah. He's got a shot, but I, as of right now, I don't love any of our outfield prospects in the high minors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree. I think the one thing I liked about Derek Hill was that we'd been waiting for a really long time for some power to start showing up and he did hit 14 home runs this year. Um, I think 520 ish, um, plate appearances, which, you know, kind of projects out to like 17, 18 home run power. Um, you know, stole 20 to 21 bases again this year, basically. Like, 
ha kind of had those those categories rocking for him. But but it was really that outbreak in power um, that really piqued my interest, and especially the fact that he kind of finished strong. I, you know, every year when we make up the list, and this is you know a couple years running now, it's all like you know. What, what do we think about Derek Hill? Is, you know, is there still a chance? Like, what do we need to see from him next year um, to keep him on our list? And every year he does just enough <laughs> to, or, or someone else doesn't do enough, one of the two. But this year, yeah, I mean, I liked seeing that power from him. And I think Jacoby Jones is kind of an interesting comparison because they're both fast. Um, they've got those force mul multipliers um, in their speed. And Jacoby Jones obviously has good raw, or at least, you know, maybe 55 raw power, maybe 60 on a good day. I've seen him hit some, some super long bombs, but um, Derek Hill probably doesn't have quite as much, but seeing that power kind of wax tells me that there's a little bit more of a chance there. And Derek Hill, unlike Jose Azokar, does, um, you know, does walk a little bit more. Like, you know, is still badly fooled by spin a lot of the times, but is less likely to lead the strike zone on a fastball, I, I feel like, than Azokar is. And that's what scares me about both of them, is that, you say better, but that's an extremely low bar to clear. They both have very little plate discipline, and that has killed lots and lots and lots and lots of prospects before them. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, and and it's something that doesn't always come come across. Like I could look at Derek Hill's walk rates, you know, the past couple of years, and think like, no, you know, for a for a minor league player, you know, Derek Hill has pretty good plate discipline. But if you see how often, yeah, he, he's he's chasing. There, there's work to be done. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, he is 23, so he's not, you know, he's not super old. And I, and I always keep in mind with Derek Hill that he lost, you know, almost a year and a half, a full year and a half of development time due to injuries early in his, in his minor league career. So perhaps there is still hope there. I would, I wish we could have. I knew this wouldn't happen, but I would have liked to seen Derek Hill um, get moved up to Toledo just so I could see what would happen. And I felt the same about Isaac Paredes. Um, it was just, you know, just selfishness on my part. I wanted to see what would happen if you give them the Major League Baseball and see if all of a sudden the power numbers, you know, kind of jumped off the charts a little bit. But so it goes. Yeah, I, I think um, this has been a really interesting year for Derek Hill, particularly because, especially at the beginning of the year, I think Keenan was about absolutely implode because they were batting him ninth and bunting once a game. Um, and I, I spoke to, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, so I'll say I spoke to a professional in the industry about Derek Hill and asked him about that with the heavy impl in implication that I felt that it was uh, not the right way to be handling his development. And the industry prof professional told me I didn't know what I was talking about and that Derek Hill would be fine and the Tigers were doing the right thing. Um, he and I did not get along. <laughs> in any case, uh, so there is at least some faith among some people in the industry that the Tigers are handling him okay. So I'm curious to see if the way that he performed once he um, sort of started to perform in the middle of the season changes next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting to hear. I mean... It doesn't necessarily like bother me that much that that they have some of these guys trying to lay down a bunt here or there. It the the issue with that is tr you should be trying to get these guys as many plate appearances as possible. Like for whatever you're trying to teach, whatever you know, whatever methods you think you have, in the end it it all comes down to just getting the getting enough work, you know, getting enough work against, you know, good competition, age appropriate competition to to improve. 
And when the Tigers use too many of those plate appearances to, to have guys laying down bunts, especially an A ball, like, you know, why are you trying to bunt against guys who don't even have a breaking ball yet? Like, you know, what, what does that tell you? What does that teach you? Um, I'm going to say that that industry professional uh, was probably wrong. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but well, anyway, yeah. that's, that's my take on it anyway. Um, all right, so let's move up to the big boys because I, I think that that's just going to be an interesting decision-making uh, area there next year, what they do with the, the outfielders at Toledo. But the guys that we're actually interested in here, we're going to talk Riley Green, we're going to talk Daz Cameron, and we're going to talk Isaac Paredes, and then we'll uh, we'll get into anybody else that we think um, you know piqued our interest. Um, where would you be? Where would you like to start? Uh, can we start with Paredes? Yeah, let's do that. By let's, I, By mean, let's you. I mean you. Sure, sure. I mean, Isaac Paredes had an interesting season because I mean you have to keep in mind that Isaac Paredes is very young. Um, and I'm not talking to you necessarily. I know you know this, <laughs> but Isaac Freitas is only 20 years old, I I believe. And I'm not. Let me see when he turns 21. Uh, that would be uh, the 18th of February. Oh, okay. So yeah, he'll be okay. So he'll be 21 next February. Is that your birthday? No. Do no. you just know that off the top of your head, you sicko? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at pipeline right now. <laughs> okay, that makes me feel better. Yeah, I mean, um, so so you have to take that into account in general, anyway, and. Last year, I believe that Isaac Paredes and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. were the only two teenagers there, and both of them wrecked shop. Um, the only two who were, who were there consistently. And so I think we all kind of looked for Isaac Paredes to come out this year and just, you know, just mash at Erie. Um, and that really didn't happen until late in the season. But the thing about and I watched Isaac Paredes a lot this year because I was watching Erie, you know, for all the starting pitchers. The thing about him is that early in the season, the Tigers pretty clearly had him emphasizing going the opposite way and using, trying to use, you know, a little bit more of the, um, it's not, you know, I've, everybody thinks this way. I, you know, I, I can pin it to Lloyd McClendon, but sort of the Lloyd McClendon approach. Like we want you to spray the ball around. We don't want you to be too pull happy yet. And he seemed to take that to heart and was hitting a lot more line drives the opposite way. Um, and then late in the season, it felt like the power, you know, kind of came back like you know whatever whatever he'd been doing you know it all clicked for him or he decided not forget this i'm gonna just start mashing some <laughs> and um and pretty and pretty much came on like a house on fire you know in in august and, and looked great you know but the thing about him is he lo- he always looks great it's, it's just a question of like how much power is he gonna hit for because he's such a, a good hitter already like he has he has fantastic hands um, you know, the plate discipline, you know, needs to improve a little bit, but, you know, for that level and for his age, his plate discipline is ridiculously good. I mean, he doesn't offer too much at, at stuff that's off the plate. He'll swing at breaking balls down and swing over those pitches, but you don't see him, you know, badly fooled more than once by a pitcher. He seems to to learn um, from at bat to at bat really well and and eventually will we'll have your number if you face him too many times. Um, there's just so much to like there as a hitter. Uh, we could talk about his his defense a little bit, but um, but those were my impressions of his season. That it was a little bit of a like a reentrenchment early in the year, you know, trying to work on, you know, just a little bit more like pure hit tool, and then late in the season he seemed to just kind of turn it on. Um, and it's going to be really interesting, I think, to watch him in the Arizona Fall League. That it, I think he's going to do yeah. some damage out there. That intelligent adaptability, I think, is kind of a sneaky tool that people don't pay enough attention to, um, like yeah. Jonathan India who is probably oh, yeah. not the best, but one of the best players I've ever seen live. Um, he he came out in a big way right before his his draft class was taken. And when I saw him, that was the thing that he showed 
more than anything else. Yeah, his hit tool is impressive. He hits for a bit of power. He's alive in the field. But he's intelligently adaptable. And, you know, you can say the same thing about Paredes. And so both of them have that working for them. And I think Paredes doesn't get enough credit for that from the national media. Yeah, I don't think there's that enough appreciation for him as a smart hitter yet. And and from what I've seen, yeah, I I think he's a pretty pretty smart hitter. Um and he just he just has the like the the raw tools. He doesn't strike out, you know, hardly at all. Um his strikeout to walk ratio was basically even this year. Um you know, he takes his hacks like he he's not up there like trying to walk and waiting for pitches that are, you know, perfectly in his wheelhouse necessarily, but he can get the bat on just about anything close. Um, put the barrel on anything in the strike zone, and if you miss to him on the inner half, he's going to hurt you. He's going to hurt you bad. <laughs> so, yeah, all in all, I thought, you know, a, a pretty good season. Like, maybe the numbers don't pop off the chart when we're looking at PCL and, you know, some of the other, like, Southern League numbers sometimes, you know, guys will all have, like, you know, you're, everybody seems to hit 20 home runs in some of these leagues, and it can leave you thinking that a guy who hit 13 home runs in 550 Plate appearances, you know, is just kind of an average power guy at best. But I think there's a lot more to come. Um, once again, you know, like posted a 142 WRC plus um, with with Erie last year and a 126 in the Florida State League. This year, 133 WRC plus, so 33% better than than a league average hitter in a league where he was probably two or three years younger than almost everybody he faced. Once he settles in, that power is going to come back. Not come back, but come in. Yeah, yeah, and I just think you know you, you you give him the you know the the major league ball at Toledo next year, and you're yeah. gonna, you're going to see some fireworks. Uh, I won't yeah. be surprised if he hits twenty five, thirty home runs if he's at Toledo all year next year. Hopefully, he won't be because honestly, I think he's pretty he's more ready for the major leagues than Eugenio Suarez was um, when when Suarez was called up in twenty fourteen to fill in for Jose Iglesias. Um, yeah, Paredes looks like the better hitter uh, and the more mature and prepared hitter already. So. I don't know if the Tigers will move him that quickly, but I don't like the idea of just stalling him out in Toledo all, all next year either. So we'll see what happens. Um, do you, I mean, do you have any real thoughts about, you know, position? Like, I mean, I think everybody's kind of set, like he's probably going to play third base. Do you think it's worthwhile the way things are now to, to keep him at shortstop as long as possible though, and, and try to make it work? Um, sure. <laughs> I mean, what have the Tigers got to lose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what why not? Tigers got really? Yeah, we don't really have any other shortstops who can hit. So. Yeah, and so if he can make it work, good. And if he can't, well, we kind of saw that coming. Um, but next season, what's we'll a couple defensive runs saved, lost at the shortstop position anyway? I hate saying it like that, but let's be realistic. They're not competitors let's next year. Yeah, they are not. They are probably not competitors for a couple years. Yeah, <laughs> at, at, at best. But yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, the way I've been looking at it is that the advent of the shift with more guys trying to hit the ball in the air and with a lot more strikeouts, you know, there's just less balls in play. And it, it leads me to believe that you're more apt to be able to to put someone at shortstop who has good hands and a good arm, but not the kind of range you would associate with, with a shortstop. And Paredes definitely doesn't have good enough range to play shortstop according to a, you know, a traditional way of thinking about it. But I do wonder if maybe you could um, you could squeeze it in there. Probably won't happen, but I do like the idea of keeping him at shortstop and and hopefully using that to kind of egg him on this offseason to trying to become a little bit leaner and more athletic. Like, he doesn't strike me as, like, overweight. 
necessarily he's just a thickly built kid um he, he's just he's just a grown man already um and he's not fast and some of those things are never going to change but i do kind of like it as if they are using it as a bit of a carrot and stick thing like you know you want to stay at shortstop you know you all right you got to come back you know at this weight you know this <laughs> after this off season we want to see you doing all kinds of you know isometric exercises and box jumps and getting more explosive athleticism um, if they can, if they can kind of goad him into some of that with um, playing shortstop as the, as the carrot next season, I'm I'm all for it. Um, when when the time comes, I assume that the Tigers will will simply move him to third base and he will slot in there and do. Especially considering uh, um, Condelario has a underwhelmed and apparently been earmarked for first. Yeah, and I guess that's just to make you know room so that they can get a good look at at Dawel Lugo, whose defense at third has actually been quite good. I, I have to say. Um, but yeah, Jamer Candelario, man, um, that's, that's been disappointing. Like he still has all the, all the kind of peripherals that you would associate with a guy who's going to break out and really hit for you, but it's, it just doesn't seem to be coming. And I don't know, maybe, maybe next year is, is sort of his last chance at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about, well, all right, since we're already in the upper minors, we'll get to Riley Green in a second. What did, um, did you kind of come away with any impressions of Daz Cameron's season. He kind of went through some of the same things Derek, Derek Hill did where he seemed to be in the doghouse for, for the middle of the summer. He was batting ninth for a while behind Jake Rogers. Um, seemed to have a little bit of a rough go th- this season. Yeah. Uh, da- Daz Cameron is not a guy I paid a lot of attention to this season. And that probably wasn't right or fair. It's more just a, a function of the fact that my lens is more zoomed in on the minor leagues. I mean, the lower minor leagues. Um, yeah. But yeah, he really, I didn't hear any, didn't really hear any particularly good things about him this season. I was listening to, um, I think I-75 Drive is Roger and Chris's podcast about the Toledo Mudhens. Is that correct? They, yeah, yep. Everybody should check yeah, them out. Yeah, they're an excellent pair, and I'm very happy for them in their current endeavor. Um, but they had some excellent takes on on Daz Cameron, where their position is basically, listen, he's 22. He has done nothing but hit since he got to the Tigers organization. Yeah, it was a down year, but uh, we'll see what happens next year. Um, they're not saying, you know, don't give up hope yet. He's still a good ball player. They're saying we don't know what he is. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, my impression was was just that. I mean, it, it, it's hard to tell if there's like some kind of like, you know, struggle going on a little bit between Daz and the coaches. Um, it just seemed to me that he he was on you know on the outs a little bit and maybe maybe fighting them on some things, um, rightly or wrongly. But overall, I mean, it wasn't a bad season. And yeah, I mean, I think I think the same way. Like he's still twenty two. Um, we'll kind of just, just chalk this up to maybe a growth year and see what happens next, next season. Um, uh, I thought we might see a little bit of a power spike this year that didn't really come. Um, he struck out more than you'd like to see, you know, he's got the power and the speed to still be a, a pretty darn good player. I don't think any of us really thought his ceiling was as a, you know, a, a guy who was going to be a star or even like a, a guy who might like touch, you know, all-star voting at some point. He's more a guy who I think like. This, this guy is a more solid prospect than, say, Jacoby Jones or Derek Hill is. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we should just kind of be in a hold pa- holding pattern with, with Daz and um, and see how things go for him yeah. next season. Yeah, 200 at-bats in the next season, maybe the outlook will be completely different. Yeah, yeah, it very very well could be. Because you know he's going to be working at it yeah. this offseason. 
Um, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. So, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, I guess this kind of leads us to kind of the central problem is that those are really the only guys that are even kind of really worth talking about in the upper minors. Um, and as someone who, you know, follows the, the lower minors more more acutely and is, you know, on site, um, in West Michigan, a lot of the time they're just, it just feels like there isn't much coming either. You know, I, it's something I've been had on my mind that even when, you know, this glut of talent that's in the upper minors right now, um, part of which came in trade, part of which, you know, has come from the high draft picks when those guys all graduate. Um, I mean, is there much in the lower minors to, to, to look forward to Um, besides Riley green? Did you see anybody? Anybody who you like? Maybe. I mean, I know Wenzel. You know, we'll just have to see what happens with yeah, him and Parker. With Wenzel and Parker, that's a there's a lot of question marks there. I liked Quintana a whole lot more than the numbers showed. Um, I mean, he was god awful statistically in West Michigan, but I think we're going to see that a completely different story next season. Um, I was I was big on Cody Clemens from what I saw. He's in double a now he really didn't hit but it's a 13 game sample i'm not too worried about that um yeah and and in the and in the florida state league you know you're, you're only going to hit for so much power and i thought you know he held his own there um okay but just didn't kind of didn't really get any traction going i guess is how i put it Seems well like no one ever said he him. would um be a big offensive performer well people did but not any of the sources that i trust um Oh, for sure. But I think that's just, you know, that's the hope, you know, like he, he was the one guy from that draft class, you know, in the, the lo- lower down that we were like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe Cody Clemens and he got off to a hot start and obviously he has the name, but yeah, he wasn't ever someone who I thought had more than like a, a slender chance of being. I, I do player. like him still. Um, just not as a, not as a star player, just as one of your solid guys who, you know, yeah, kind of a role player, maybe like maybe sort of a Brandon Dixon-ish type player if things work out. Yeah, absolutely. For him. But yeah. yeah, I think that's kind yeah, of absolutely. kind of the ceiling. I yeah. can absolutely see him in a Brandon Dixon role. Um, I think you make a solid point. There's really not a whole lot coming. I'm I'm struggling yeah. here. I'm and thinking hard. Concern, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the concern that after you know, I mean, you know, the guys who are in the upper minors already are are not necessarily that much a, pro- a product of the of the tigers drafting um or international free agent signings and their you know and their development a lot of it is guys that they you know they got who you know apart from manning i think manning and maybe burroughs are, are the ones who like you know the tigers stamp is all over um those two guys but yeah it's it's discouraging that you look in the lower minors and you know all the tigers efforts to improve the drafting to you know hopefully improve their player development. Um, it doesn't really seem like there's much sign of hope now, <laughs> down there yet. And I would, you know, Parker Meadows, now, Parker Meadows and Wenzel Perez are obviously both what 19 yeah. at, in class a, you know, young for the league. Um, and I wouldn't really say much more about them until we kind of see how they, they bounce back next year. But 
Yeah, it's, and it's and I will say it. this: um, I was not high on Wentzel last year. Still not high on him this year, but there were days when he looked like a completely different player, in a good way. Yeah, the flashes right, were right. There he's coming out more and more, and if he's that player consistently next season, I'm more than happy to admit that I was wrong. Um, a couple of guys who I think we might hear uh, do well next year are Packard, Lipschitz, and um, Cooper Johnson. So, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know Lipschitz. There are some guys who don't like him very much, like um, Jay Chipman. Does not like Andre Lipschitz. Uh, he doesn't like his swing. I asked him, "What do you mean you don't like his swing?" And he said, "I don't yeah. like anything about his swing." Stem to stern, whole thing needs to be scrapped. Uh, but on the other hand, now don't take this as a one-for-one comparison. I'll I'll put that asterisk there. He looked a lot like Paredes looked when I saw Paredes in West Michigan. Of course, Andre Lipschitz is significantly older than Paredes was, and of course, we're not expecting him to have quite as much talent when it comes to um, making consistent quality contact. But he's just a pain in the butt at the plate because he doesn't ever give yeah. up. Yeah, I can uh, I can sympathize with Chipman on the swing issues. I mean, it's sort of a you know it it it's, it almost reminds me of like a player in the '80s, like kind of a, a slap hitter from the '80s, kind of a kind of a swing. But he does seem like a really you know I mean obviously there's the what did he say yeah. like nuclear engineering or some damn thing in college. Yeah. Like he's obviously a very bright guy. And and I like taking some guys like that. Like I I, I would agree with you that sometimes the, the way makeup as a term gets thrown around is is foolhardy and things get overplayed. But I do like um, a player that that is smart and motivated. Like I'll, I'll take both of those things, and you know hope that um, you know now that Lipsius can kind of or Lipsius, excuse me, can fully commit himself to baseball. Like maybe maybe he puts on some muscle this off season. Um, does a little bit of a swing retool, and all of a sudden you've got a player because he's a pretty, pretty versatile defender. Um, and yeah, he's he's got a, a strong eye for the strike zone. And I think what you're seeing with him that reminds you of Paredes is, is what I'm seeing, which is just like you know neck, like he's he's thinking ahead of everybody yeah. else on the field a little bit more yeah. than than yeah. the tools else, aren't so. quite there the same yeah, as Paredes. I'm not forward. trying to make that kind of a comparison. It's just the mentality is similar. Yeah, what did you think of, uh, I mean, I liked Cooper Johnson. I, You know, Bryant Packard kind of snuck up on me. I was sort of like, yeah, okay, that's a decent pick there. Um, and then you guys were all like, oh, yeah, we really like that Bryant Packard pick. We're putting him in the, the top 30. And I was a little bit, I had to go and, and do some do some deep diving before I was uh, okay with that. Because I, I really wasn't paying that much attention to him. Uh, did I, you get a chance to see him a few times? When I was able to go to West Michigan, he was on the injured list. And then um, he he came back and continued to crush and was moved up. So, no, the game, since he was drafted, he was on the injured list. But um, he, everyone who was able to see him had very nice things to say, and the numbers, of course, support that. Now, there's also the, the flashing neon warning sign that says uh, information bias. People like players who put up good numbers. So it's very possible yeah. um, reports are exaggerated just due to that nature of evaluators to say, look, this guy is performing well, and I can see why. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but from what I saw of him, I mean, I thought there was a lot to like in his swing and, and approach, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. It sounds like the Tigers are, 
you know, he, he can't run well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's sort of a limited path to the majors type of a guy. He's going to have to hit. It's going to be pretty much an all-bat profile. And, you know, I, and I think maybe he will. Um, they're going to move him to first base, it sounds like. And, yeah, we'll just we'll see how he takes to um, the Florida State League next year. And if he if he hangs well there, I could see I him would like that very much. And being an eerie I saw him in season. the batting cage, and like I, I liked what I saw there. Um, and as for as much garbage as people were giving Meadows and how the Tigers were handling Meadows, I realize this is a bit of a jump, but the batting cage reminded me of this. I was... Um, not really paying attention to batting practice as much as I should have been one of the times I was out there. And Meadows got in the cage and this, you know, have you ever heard the phrase, um, the bat makes a different sound? Yeah, uh, Meadows startled me. Like the sound his bat made when it hit the baseball startled me. He does have some pop. Yeah. I think people can sleep on that a little bit because he's a little bit ungainly. I mean, he does have some yeah. swing issues, but... You know, I, I've always kind of been of the attitude that really long-limbed, tall, slender guys mm-hmm. like that, you have to, you know, they just tend to take more time. Um, and, I, you know, and I think you can look at, you know, this isn't like the ideal um, happy comparison, but, you know, you look at a player like Victor Reyes, who's 24 and is still, you know, trying to figure those things out at a, at a level where he's, you know, until fairly recently been quite overmatched. Yeah. Um, that's that stuff can take take some time. So yeah, I think Parker Parker Meadows we can give a little bit of a, a pass to this year. Um, Wenzel Perez, like I kind of look at him like you know probably like the next Willie Castro. Like he's going to be a guy with a a pretty strong hit tool, but not not enough power to be impactful. And then we'll just have to see if his his defense comes along because obviously Wenzel's got to improve there. Um, to, to Wenzel's play defensive and... showings varied wildly between. Um, some smooth, excellent actions, which are exactly what you like to see, and just butchery, and everything in between. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what it kind of looked like um, from Quintana to me when I when I saw him. Like you know, was blowing some some plays, and obviously there were there were a few that it sounded like the you know it was just some scorekeeper kind of nonsense where the first baseman just didn't didn't hang onto a ball in the dirt that kind of thing, and get, and they gave him an error, but. Um, when you have that many errors, you know, there, there, there's something going on there. But a lot of the time when I saw him, he looked, you know, looked perfectly, perfectly good to me. So, yeah. We should also keep in mind Wierski. Yeah. Um He's not necessarily a great prospect, but he's in my, like, top 35. He's in, like, the five that missed. Yeah, that's kind of where category. I got him. Yeah, yeah um, he's, he's interesting. He has a great deal of difficulty recognizing spin. And his issues got worse as the season progressed, but he's also 21, so he's like the age of a college draftee, and was able to hit over the course of a full West Michigan season. It declined sort of at the end, and I wonder if that isn't because he's never had a real full season before. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, so I, I think next year is very important for his development, whether because Lakeland is notorious for suppressing hitters. Yeah, and he's the type of hitter that you know. If a guy, if a pitcher can figure out where his weaknesses is, and and pull out a good breaking ball or two, they could probably carve him up. Ends right now. Yeah, and he's also a guy who, you know, in that league, it's easier to keep him in the park. And obviously, the the thing that Ulrich Boyarski really has going for him is is good raw power. Yeah, you know, if, if that is diluted by the fact that he's in the Florida State League, then yeah, it's it's going to be on him to um to to improve his discipline learn how to drive the ball on a line a little bit more. I mean, there's going to be a lot going on there. But, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of like a 35, 
future value type guy. Like, you know, he, he, there's enough of an interesting skill set there where if it came together, it, it could happen for him. There's a couple other, you know, there's a couple other guys who maybe you could say, say something similar about. Um, so, yeah, I'd say keep him on your, on your back burner. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep an eye on him. Um, and I think, like, we can look at Sam McMillan and Cooper Johnson the same way. Like, both of them are, you know, interesting possibilities as future, you know, probable backup catcher type guys. But, you know, if one of them yeah. one of them breaks out with a bat, like, Cooper Johnson has pretty good power. Um, Sam McMillan, I thought, took a couple big steps forward in terms of just his his sort of comfort at the plate against Sam this level McMillan of pitching. Sam McMillan is a weirdo. Yeah. It was kind of a weird season. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I think the one of the more poignant observations Emily Walden ever made to me was that Sam McMillan has power. He just doesn't know how to use it. It's like, oh, that's what it is. And I know exactly what she's talking about once she said it. I hadn't picked up on that myself. But um, he he is a big dude, and he can drive it really far. But they a lot of his farthest hit balls end up going foul for whatever reason. So if he can get his swing timed a little bit better, that's a scary player because of his, um, his ability to take walks as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, what did he, it was like a 16, yeah, 16.8% walk rate at West Michigan this year. I mean, he has 20 uh, and he has been in the system and, and kind of a disappointment since they drafted him in, 2017 um especially because they went they went you know they went over slot you know that that was kind of like their big move and then he kind of fizzled for you know for the first full pro season but yeah i mean it was nice to see him at least take a step forward and yeah i mean he's another guy who i kind of like the tigers have a tendency to almost and this is just my feeling about it is that they almost teach like a two-strike approach before guys you know should even be thinking about that that sort of thing and you know, some of what happened with Isaac Paredes early in, in the season kind of felt like that, and maybe that maybe there's something similar with Sam McMillan, where it's, you know, uh, you know, he he just wants to be very careful to put the ball in play. He's trying not to strike out that much, trying to to trim down the swing and miss, and as a result, he's letting some pitches that he could drive go, and you know, maybe turning and just pulling too many balls foul on pitches that if he could keep his hands inside a little bit better, he would he would drive. So, at least, uh, yeah, at least at least he and Cooper Johnson both give us something to watch in the, the catcher department and maybe Elizar um, Alfonso as well, who was in Connecticut and, and was okay there and, and usually seemed to be in the mix um, whenever there was any run scoring going on and, you know, looks okay. So yeah, at least there's, there's some young catching depth down there anyway. All right, let's talk about Riley green. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Take, taking forever with the T's here, but uh Riley Green looked awesome to me. Like, I like the pick. Uh, I was a little bit torn between him and J.J. Blade just because I kind of preferred, like, the college outfielder that was a little more proven. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of the concerns about Riley Green's defense and and just, you know, and just foot speed kind of kind of worried me a little bit. Um, but all that proved to kind of be nonsense, and Riley Green looks, you know, like he probably won't play center field in the major leagues, but right now he can play center field fine, and, man, the swing is beautiful. <laughs> He is an advanced, advanced hitter. Um, so yeah, what were your uh, impressions of him this year? Exactly what you just said. Like almost down to the word is is how I feel about him. Um, I did kind of want Blade instead. 
Um, and there was those little rumors circulating that maybe the White Sox were going to pass on yeah. Vaughn, and yeah, and I wanted wow. Vaughn because all right, Spencer Torkelson's coming for us next year. Well, we're, <laughs> yeah. if you want to get into that, we're probably more likely to take Emerson Hancock. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Is that the the Vanderbilt shortstop? No, he's a he's a he's a pitcher. Oh, okay. he's a college pitcher. Oh God, they better not. All right, let's, yeah. not, let's not go into this though. Uh-huh, it's a whole nother uh-huh. show. Uh huh. It is a whole nother show, yeah. and it would require a heck of a lot more research than I've done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Riley Green is a wonderful addition to the system, and I really look forward to seeing him continue to succeed. Um, there, the numbers did turn down a little in West Michigan, but you know that's okay. We're talking about short sample sizes at every stop along the way. Um, less than 100 at-bats at each each yeah. um, assignment. So the tools are there for him to continue to succeed. And I hope for him to have a quick ascent to the major leagues. Yeah. Um, He's a guy who does feel like he could be at Erie by the end of next year. Like, like, yeah. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't upset me, and I don't think people should should expect that. Um, but but Riley Green seems like the type of, type of player where there's there's going to be a, a real big jump um, in the next year or two, and he's going to be real close. Like it's boy, that that's a hell of a hit tool he's got. I mean, the, the discipline yeah. is already good. Um, you can see the raw power is is already sixty grade. Um, that for those first couple games in the GCL where he he was hitting them over the trees um, to right field, it was like oh baby. <laughs> I mean, he's 18. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- there's just a lot to like, I almost don't have that much to say about him because I'm just like a little giddy and just like, yeah, hurry up, Riley, get here because <laughs> it's looking real good. But he also, you know, um, you know, just proved a lot of people wrong um, with a, a, a lengthy series of highlight real plays down the stretch for the Whitecaps. It was like every night it seemed like he was making some diving play on the morning track or something. It's looking like Derek Hill out there. Hey, hey, don't, don't jinx it. We don't want another Derek Hill. Nah, no, we'll be, he'll be fine. Yes, he will be just fine. Yeah, the hits, the hit tool is there. He's going to be good. Um, yeah. That, that was a joke that did not go over well. For any of you who do not know my sense of humor, I know, I know Brandon dry. does. You're dry though, yeah, so sometimes I'll just yeah. let it go right by. <laughs> like, I, I know, know Brandon knows my sense of humor. Please, listeners, do not think that I think Green is headed down a hill path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're just being superstitious for fun, folks. <laughs> yeah but, but yeah riley green uh yeah i mean that was that was a good pick um i, I think they they kind of shut me up there a little bit um as, as far as how things have gone with him and now we just need like you know four more guys like that yeah yeah no no problem yeah yeah come on i'll reach into your grab bag i know you got him in there <laughs> yep 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 hopefully hey, uh it- hopefully there's some some damn good picks in the, in the draft next year and you know, another good uh, trade deadline. Maybe, maybe we'll be in business by then. Which hitter do you think has the best chance to step up and be the next guy like that? Who's in the system next... now? Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, I know it's a tough question. Take yeah, time. I mean, I don't really have any. I mean, obviously, like probably the the smartest answers are. Adenso Reyes and Jose De La Cruz, who both just murderized the Dominican Summer League um, and have been among the, the two most prominent uh, interna- international free agent signings that the Tigers have had under Alavila, and both of them are 17 and, and did really well. Um, we're all going to be really looking forward to, to seeing them um, come over to the GCL, 
hopefully next next summer i would assume that's usually when it when it goes down especially for guys who are doing that well but i'll probably take i'll probably take them and i i actually like parker meadows um more than keenan does like some of the issues with his swing i i do think are going to be solved simply by him putting more muscle on himself like he's just a little bit um you know gangly really is the only way to put it right now and i think as he gets a little bit stronger some of that some of that whippiness in the bat um some of that tendency to sort of armbar and get his you know his his left shoulder down too much and trying to drive the ball in the air i don't know there's there's the the issues i see there are, aren't that problematic to me and and i i think like it's best with a player like him to to wait until he's closer to his physical development um, before we start getting too too worked up over over the swing issues, but um, you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. I know it was a disappointing year, but again, he was pretty young there, and next year will probably probably prove some things one way or the other. But um, I'll t- if I have to take someone who's already in the A ball levels or above, I will take Parker Meadows. Decent pick. How about yourself? I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I would say. Either Meadows or Quintana, if we have to say someone a ball or above. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking the exception rule on Quintana because he played in a ball. Yeah. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, that's fine. Um, someone below a ball, I think Adinzo Reyes, maybe, or um, our international $2.85 million man of mystery, <laughs> Roberto Campos. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what goes on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, because he, because you know, there was, I read an interesting piece on him where um, I don't remember who put it out. It's very possible it was put out on Bless You Boys, where the Tigers essentially sequestered him, which could be a two-edged sword. On the one hand, they assured that he was going to be theirs, but on the other hand, once they decided they wanted him, what quality competition has he faced? Yeah, yeah. Although, and so has that stifled him at all? Yeah, well, it's just so tough too because at that age you don't know if there's if there's really quality competition available or or if it really matters. You know, there's still mm-hmm. like just like the raw skill building, you know, going on. Um, the other thing He's, about that too is that a lot of teams do do that. Like like it isn't that rare that you know a couple months before july 2nd like okay all of a sudden there's this guy that you know no one knew was available and he's already agreed basically with someone and it comes out of nowhere like you know that that is a thing um the tigers kind of i thought actually kind of looked a little goofy just by sort of overselling that like they were all giddy about it like you know just let the let the kid get here and we'll see (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yeah at least they're excited about something yeah yeah exactly so i mean overall like i mean we know kind of where we're at. You know, the, the Tigers have fantastic pitching um, in the in the minor leagues. There there isn't as much maybe in the lower minors as we'd like to see. We kind of like to see that that pipeline continue, but the breakout of Scooble, um, you know, some of the development I think that that's gone on this year. Even like to look at like um, what happened with Tyler Alexander and Matt Hall, like two guys who I didn't really, you know, came into the season after watching them last year, thinking like I don't even know if either of these two guys is ever going to be able to to relieve. Um, at all and both made some changes you know at at, at the um triple a level um juan nievis up there seems to have some some game as a pitching coach and kind of got them both cross-stepping a little bit more it looked like tyler alexander lowered his arm angle and all of a sudden like both of them 
you know, are in the major leagues and looking, you know, semi-viable. Like, I still am not going to project great things, um, but but both of them turned out to be, you know, guys guys who could be useful. And you never know. Maybe next year that'll be Garrett Hill or it'll be, I don't know, Brad Bass or, or something. Um, but I do like Zach Hess. Yeah, Brad Bass. Yeah, I know. He's a ground ball machine, man. You can't get that ball in the air. It's a yeah, I ball. know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure the Tigers love that. I actually, I am pretty sure I have actually never seen Brad Bass pitch. So I saw him throw um, six no hit innings, and I didn't even realize it was no hitter until someone else pointed out to me. It was just going I so fast. Yeah. Well, I imagine it would be like watching Mike Pelfrey throw six no hit innings. Yeah, I mean that's kind of who, like Brad Bass. If if things all come together for him, he'll be a Mike Pelfrey-ish type pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, aren't you excited for that? Yeah. I'm hey, sure. let me pose, let me pose a question to you. Okay. Do you think, considering the Tigers have some of the, if not the best pitching uh, prospects group in the minor leagues, do you think there's any path to like a 2015 Mets-ish uh, run at a postseason, even though we don't have a lot of bats? I think something, something is possible, um, but it would take them, you know, finding at least one kind of under the radar good like maybe like let's just say like okay we sign scooter gannett and um and they find some someone else to hit who can play first base and both of those guys do well like if something like that happened i could see the tigers being interesting um into the second half and you know this is almost the lowest um the lowest percentage type of outcome like i you know it, this is highly unlikely but yeah i mean if a couple you know if they found a couple guys like that i think kristen stewart's going to hit better next year um you you look at nico goodrum victor reyes travis demerit um i think one of those guys is is liable to have a good season next year and and have some kind of a minor breakout so, I mean, I, I think there's some chance of that. And then that would involve, like, you know, the Tigers, like, being proactive and bringing up some of their pitching prospects and also probably being more aggressive than they'd like to be at moving guys to relief and building a, a really kick-ass bullpen, which I think they could do. Um, I, I actually like a lot of the arms that are in the Tigers' bullpen right now. It's incumbent on Rick Anderson to, to get a couple of these guys cleaned up to where they're just a little bit more consistent strike throwers. Um, I like David McKay. I like Jose Cisneros stuff. Um, you know, there's a couple guys like that. And if they want to convert, um, obviously I love Gregory Soto's fastball. Like that, that thing is bananas. Um, if he knows where it's going and you, you take him, you take Anthony Castro. Um, you've got, obviously you've got Joe Jimenez, um, and you've got Brian Garcia, who I think will take a step forward next season. Um, you know, it's, it's still his first year back from Tommy John. And to me, like he just hasn't popped. Like the stuff doesn't, look quite as like crisp out of his hand as it did before he went down. And, and that I think is pretty normal. So I'm going to look at that and think like, yeah, the Tigers might be able to build a pretty good bullpen next year and they should have plenty of rotation depth. Um, they, they should have the best rotation depth in the game. Um, they won't necessarily have the best, you know, top three, that's for sure. But um, I think Matt Boyd will be a little better next year. Um, you, you don't naturally give up this many home, home runs and have it just, you know, keep happening to this degree. I think it, it'll tone itself down next, next year. Um, you've got Daniel Norris, you've got Spencer Turnbull. At some point, Michael Fulmer is going to come back. Maybe they'll sign someone in the offseason. Um, you know, you got Tyler Alexander. you got a couple guys like that who can kind of fill in and spot start for you. The pitching could actually be pretty damn good next year if the Tigers yeah. had reason to care enough to, to, to try. And, um, and yeah. we'll just see. I don't, I don't, 
expect that to happen, but if they hit on a couple bats, you know, or maybe if they made a trade somehow this offseason, um, some kind of crazy challenge trade, like we're going to trade, uh, you know, Alex Fajardo and Bo Burrows for, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, somebody's like 50 future value, like middle infielder or something. Or if they like went crazy and tried to get like Brandon Rogers from the Rockies for like Turnbull and, and Fajardo or something like that. I don't know if that's even possible. Probably not. I just keep thinking of the Rockies because they're in such a bizarro state um, as a franchise and where they keep bringing up like good position prospects, but nobody fancy and just the pitching is just never there. So I don't know, something like that. Maybe there's always, there's always some hope like baseball is full of randomness. One thing I'll say this again about talking to Dan Samborski is that the thing that was most interesting to me is that when you're talking to him, you realize like, this is a guy who is better than all of us at projecting baseball. Like, you know, he has, he has this, an algorithm built. He knows all the other people who have like the top projection systems. They all know what's going on and their appreciation for how wrong they are um, it is pretty high. And that just tells me like, oh my God, I, I know nothing probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like a good reminder that, you know, even someone whose job it is to, to project, you know, is, is only really, you know, the goal is really just to be better than the other guy. Cause you know, you're only, you're not going to be perfect. It's just impossible. Yeah. All right, and I'm going to throw a question um, for you at the end, is that the Tigers seem to be in some debate about whether or not they're going to bring Doug Menkowitz back as the AAA um, manager next season. And I I don't know this, but but the Tigers obviously like Mike Rebello, um, who was the manager for AA Erie this year. And the Tigers have shown some interest in sort of like having Rebello bring, bring those guys along, like from Lakeland to Erie this year. Um, do you think that Mike Rabello will end up being the Toledo Munhens manager next year? Do you have any any just predictions or even a guess at such a thing? Nope. Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't None it? None whatsoever. I know, that's the kind of thing that's almost it impossible is, to know. It is not only impossible to know, I don't put a ton of stock into minor league management because a lot of them, not not all of the decisions, obviously in on-the-field decisions are... Dick. Dependent upon the man himself, but a lot of decisions are marching orders. Yeah, yeah. And so the manager is just a good face for the community in a lot of ways. For example, Lance Parrish, in my opinion, perfect manager for West Michigan. He's outstanding with the media, outstanding with the fans. It's good to have that sort of a team icon right in the heart of the fan base, especially slogging through the middle of this, um, the middle of this rebuild. I don't think he has major league management potential. If he did, someone would have tapped into that already. Yeah. But he's tremendous for the position he's yeah, in. Yeah, he's sort of the guy that... As far as Mankiewicz goes, I don't even know what he's like as a manager because I care that little about <laughs> minor league managers. All right, we're going to leave that one. We're going to leave that one alone. The only reason I bring it up, and I tend to agree that like the you know managing in the minor leagues isn't isn't managing fully the yeah. way yeah. the way you would do at the major league level, but it does feel to me like if there's one person in the um, the Tigers farm system who they might be grooming um, to be the next Tigers manager after Ron Gardenhire, it would be, it would be Mike Rubello. So I think that's something that at least for people to keep an eye on, because I think if they move him up to Toledo um, to, to follow along with Mize, Manning, Paredes, all those guys um, that, that kind of tells you that, that, you know, that he, he's going to be the man because the, the thing that Minkowitz seems to have going for him that everyone says about him is that he's really good with the mentality, like really, being able to kind of lean on young guys without breaking them and really, really push them to to work hard every day and to understand that someone's always, you know, trying to take your job and to sort of be like that that hard ass at the end of the line, like the final boss 
that you have to sort of get by to uh, to get to the, to the major <laughs> leagues. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, but that might be something um, worth uh, worth looking into before we. Yeah, maybe before we wrap this up because we are this has gone pretty long. Um, I just want to talk about the Arizona Fall League real quick because that's going to start up um, later this week, <clears throat> I believe. When the heck does this start? I can't remember. Oh yeah, September eighteenth, so Wednesday. Um, that'll get going. The Tigers, um, the key guys that the Tigers are sending are Anthony Castro, Alex Lang, and Waldemir Pinto. Um, Trent, Sc- I think Scutnik is going as well, although there might have been a change to that today. I can't remember. But then the position players, Isaac Paredes, Jose Azokar, and Derek Hill. Um, is there anything you're going to be watching for? I mean, it's the Arizona Fall see- League, you know. Yeah, kind of. I want to see Paredes continue to be excellent. I want to see Lang settle in a little more into his relief role. Um, I predicted correctly that Lang would be going to the Arizona Fall League. I completely whiffed on every single other prediction I made, but let's ignore that uh, and just focus on the fact I was right about <laughs> Lang. Um, and Castro, same thing there, because they switched him to a relief role. I want to see the two of them just lean on their fastballs pretty heavily and 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 try to blow guys away, because that's pretty much the advantage of being switched from starting to relief. Yeah, you know, people have um, kind of looked at Anthony Castro's um, relief appearances this year and been like, oh, no, he's terrible as a reliever. Um, people wipe all that from your brain, because that's nonsense. Like, just ignore all that, because they didn't, like, set Anthony Castro up to be a reliever. Like, they just threw him in as a reliever when they needed to, and then they brought him back to start when they needed to. <clears throat> he didn't really get a chance to get in any kind of a rhythm um, in that sort of role. And I love me some Anthony Castro. I like the, the, the fastball, and I love the slider now. Um, I think he could be a damn good reliever. So I'm very interested to see him and Alex Lang. And, and Pinto as well. Like, Pinto's got some got some game. Um, he needs a lot better command. Um, I'd, I'd definitely say that Castro and Lang are, are much more refined than Pinto is. But, um, but you know... Dude can can touch 99-100, so we'll see we'll see what he's got there. And then, I mean, obviously Isaac Paredes, we both like to see mash. Do you think that the Jose Azokar Derek Hill combo is a um, winner stays in the system, <laughs> loser gets unprotected kind of a thing? I don't I don't know if that's quite the case, but it's going to be interesting um, to see them side by side again um, against competition that will probably be younger um, to a large extent and maybe easier for the two of them to feast on a little bit. I don't know if it's winner stays in the system, but I think it is winner takes all. Yeah. One of those two guys um, is going to have to impress, I think. Yeah. And if if they both impress, that's a good problem. But I, I really do. It feels like a winner takes all situation. Yeah. Only, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but only, it seems like only one of those guys can really be like prioritized um, the way you would prioritize a, a top prospect at this point. And I still kind of feel like it's going to be Derek Hill winning out there. But, yeah, that might be something to to watch for. Although, of course, it's such a short season. Like, you can't take take terrible much out of it. But the fact that they're both there uh, when both of them got plenty of work this season tells me that the Tigers want to see something out of out of one of the two of them. So, yeah, we'll see what goes on with, uh, with that. But, yeah, action there will start up on Wednesday. Um, if people want me to do a minor league recap of the Arizona Fall League every day, I probably will not because it has nearly broken me. <laughs> <laughs> to cover it five, six days a week all year long while picking up probably 30 to 40 major league recaps. And I really haven't gotten to write a lot of the, a lot of the more in-depth stuff I would, I would normally have written and, and like to write. So I'm looking forward to uh, the season winding down, enjoying the, enjoying some postseason baseball and starting to do some more uh, deep dives, deep dives into the system, etc. 
the season being over is going to be good for all of us. I know we're getting kind of kind of down to the nubs uh, yeah. on the staff side at Bless You Boys. Um, and I'm not really helping all too much with that either. I've been on an extended hiatus trying to settle into my new routine. Um, yeah. And, and you, so, you know, you really, <laughs> you and uh, Ashley and Rob have really just been spectacular here as the season winds down. Oh, thank you very much. Yep, yep. Just, just trying to drive it to the finish line, baby. <laughs> yep. All right, so we've got ourselves essentially a two-hour marathon podcast right here um, that will hopefully um, catch everyone up to speed on what happened in the Tigers farm system, to, at least to a general degree, and give you all some things to um, to yell at us about and to look forward to next season. Yes, feel free to educate me about the things I got wrong and commend me about the things I got right. Yep. Um, I'm on Twitter at jmarkle underscore byb. Yep, and you can find me at fiscadoro 74 we will uh, we will talk to you all later. Um, I'll, I'll try to uh, get on that with some of the analysis. You can look for some of those pieces coming out. I promise I will write something like not not particularly negative about Victor Reyes because uh, you know there's there's some stuff going on. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go uh, buying stock necessarily, but <laughs> but yeah. So we'll get into those kind of things. You can look for all that coverage coming. Um, and as the season winds down, you, all that will start ramping up. Because right now, yeah, we're just kind of struggling to the finish line to get everything uh, covered on a daily basis. But, yep, you can look for all, all that content coming at blessyouboys.com. Thanks for being with me, Jay. You have a good night. You too. All right.